I do not mean to be mean. I do mean to be mad. You obey your pastor. If you ain't got the King James, you ain't got... Hey, if you don't have a King James, you don't have a Bible. I still believe it'd be a cold day in hell before I get my family from a woman. I'm a preacher. The young preachers that do love God get pulled off into Calvinism. And I'll fight it. I'll fight it. I'll fight you in the parking lot over it. I'll get personal with you. When you got dressed today, you dressed deity. This is the For Freedom Podcast, a podcast that is part of the RFP Network that seeks to bring freedom in Christ from the spiritual abuse of legalism in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Now here are your hosts, John Hollyfield and James Sapert. And so fundamentalism is designed to unpack the idea of authority from scripture the problem with that is that that's not the defining principle in scripture it is a part of scripture but the defining principle in scripture is love and now i'm not saying that all men who sit under the, that, that teaching will become abusive but what i'm saying is the ones who are abusive will be drawn to that sort of teaching I don't want to give people just a list of things they can start doing differently until they have a heart out of which they're going to be doing those things differently. Bitterness is different from hurt. I would say that hurt or even abuse does not have to result in bitterness. Welcome back, everybody, to the Four Freedom Podcast. I am your host today, John Hollyfield. Big James is not with us today. Uh, we are recording this at a time that he couldn't make it. He's coaching football, actually, at this time right now. But uh, this is the podcast where we try to bring the message of Galatians 5.1 to those that's been affected by spiritual abuse. And so I am, uh, I'm excited about today's episode. I know we have it. It's been a, been a little bit uh, not our normal schedule of, of having uh, episodes regularly dropping but uh, today we, uh, we have Scott Mell on the podcast, and uh, let me just say a bit about Scott Mell. Scott is a pastor in uh, California, West L.A. at Cornerstone Church. He does uh, work with teaching and preaching at the church and also biblical counseling. And Scott uh, recently wrote a book called Loving Messy People, and that's going to be sort of what we talk about a little bit today. But Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me, John. It's a privilege. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I gave just sort of a rundown a little bit, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit more personal, your ministry, even your family? You got uh, four kids if, yeah. and your wife. If you could just tell us a little bit about, about you. Yeah, yeah. So I've been pastoring here in Los Angeles, on the west side of Los Angeles for um, 16 years now. Uh, I was first a church plant and then uh, merged together with a, a hundred year old Baptist church, which was, that's kind of its whole, uh, its, its own story, but it, the Lord was super gracious and, um, love the church that, 
it's just such a privilege to get to be a part of the church here in LA. Um, I've been married for almost 19 years now, and um, we we have four kids. Uh, they're what are they now? Almost 16, 14, 11, and almost 10. So uh, we got our our hands full, but love it, love it. I love. I was, I was mentioning to you earlier. You know, I I I'm actually enjoying the teenage years more than. Uh, we more than I maybe I anticipated, but that, I mean at this point they're all like self sufficient. It's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you don't have to buckle um, any in car seats. Man, I'm months away from one of them being able to drive themselves after driving all <laughs> over this city. I am like so ready. He's like, yeah, should I get my license? I'm like, no, no, no you don't have a choice, son. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so my emphasis in ministry is. Um, overseeing and, and facilitating kind of leadership development and overseeing our staff and, and um, pastors here and uh, biblical counseling as well. It's kind of been my uh, passion and heart. Really, it was actually church planting that got me into biblical counseling. And okay. I think so I, I love because I was like, wait, seminary taught me how to preach and it taught me how to study the word. But when it came to the complexity of people, um, I felt kind of ill-equipped, but, and in biblical counseling, I was just found the riches of scripture applied to the complexities of people's lives. Um, in a way that was really, um, it was just really, really powerful. And so it's, I, I love training people for counseling, but even more. So I love training people just in the church to yeah. care for counsel, minister to one another. Um, and that's kind of where, where, where this has all come out of It's where it's what the, what the book was born out of as well. Yeah. So are you a, are you a, you're a member, a certified member, but are you, a, are you a fellow? I am. I'm a fellow yeah, with, uh, the association for certified biblical counselors. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And, uh, so that, that means you also work with, um, uh, supervision stage as well. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually I, for me, uh, I mean, people may not be f familiar with the ACBC certification process, but there's like a learning process and then there's like, you know, exams and stuff like that. But then at the end is supervised counseling where you get feedback. Somebody gives, actually gives you feedback for the personal and interpersonal ministry you're doing. And for me, that was the best part of the entire process. Like it was mm -hmm. like the gold, right? Yep. Being able to get individual feedback on you know, the pastors, what I was saying, what I was doing. I mean, it, it, it's it's like getting feedback on any public preaching or, or teaching or anything like that. It was so, so formative for me. And so now I get to um, provide that kind of supervision to others that are going through the certification process. And uh, it's a huge, it's a yeah, huge privilege. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's jump in and talk about this. This sort of goes along with what we were just talking about, the counseling thing. You wrote the book, Loving Messy People. Mm -hmm. uh, it came out two years ago. Yep. yep. Yeah. Two, two years, years ago. Um, I, I guess this is the question whenever you're talking to anybody about the, uh, a work that they produce, why, why, why the concept and, and then maybe explain a little bit of what yeah. the title even means, loving messy people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this was really born out of a desire to equip and train the people in our church, in our local church, to care for and minister to one another, particularly our small group leaders, you know, recognizing that our small group leaders in a lot of ways, like the vast majority of the ministry, at least in our local church, that's where it happens. It happens in small groups. It doesn't happen in a pastor's office. It happens in living rooms. It happens in 
coffee shops. It happens in parks, right? It happens just kind of all over the place as people care for and minister to one another in, in their lives. And we wanted to equip the church more and more for that one another ministry that the New Testament repeatedly calls all of us as Christians to. Um, I think the problem that we all face, though, is that as soon as we enter into another person's life, even carrying the word of God and equipped with the word of God, we realize that uh, usually the situations in their life are pretty messy. They're, 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 the reality is life isn't simple. The reality is the problems people face aren't simple or neat or ordered. There's not like, you know, somebody says, oh, I struggle with this. And you like turn to the chapter and verse, you quote them a verse and then everything's done. Like it, it doesn't work like that, right? Mm -hmm. like, we are complicated people and our problems are are complicated. They're oftentimes really multifaceted. And so the, the, the word that I think a lot of people use to describe that complication in our world is just messy. You know, people are messy, our problems are messy. Um, and, uh, the reality is that as we are called to care for one another, we're, what we're called to is to step into that mess, to step into the, the reality of it. And I think that it's the messiness of that, that oftentimes scares people off from caring for one another. They oftentimes feel like, well, wait, no, no, it's too complicated. Like I, I can't, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know where to start. Um, but I think that most Christians, I think the vast majority of Christians, are far more equipped to be used by God in the messes, in the lives of the people around them than they even realize. And so um, a part of this was both written, a part of Loving Messy People was written in order to help them recognize that calling, help them recognize how, uh, how equipped they already were with the gospel, with the biblical truth that they know to help and care for and walk with people. And then also just to give them kind of a, a practical framework for what that looks like. You know, how, how do we care for one another? And so that's where kind of, that's, that's kind of where the structure of the book um, came from. And so that, I don't know if you want me to go into that. How detailed do you want me to go into that? But Well, no, that sounds great. So it's, it's like, uh, I think this is something that a lot of people may be coming out of a, a legalistic uh, or spiritual mm -hmm. abusive sort of church culture and coming into something like that. They, I mean, really finding a way of like how discipleship works, mm. how discipleship looks, how to even like go about it. I mean, really, I can remember, you know, I, reading a nine marks book on discipleship like eight or nine years ago and thinking, I love this. This is, this, this is, this is it right here. How do I do this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you see, you can see it, you know, sometimes in works where it's like, okay, that's what the church should be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. That makes sense. That clicks. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's what we tried to write loving messy people in a way that gives you some, some things to hang your hat on. See, the problem is though, when we ask, how do we do it? What we all really want is a script. <laughs> right? We we want to like okay, just tell me the verses, tell me the verses, like let, let me read the script. But but life doesn't work like that. It's too messy for that. And and actually, I think ministry isn't. There's no script. There's no like you know set of ten questions you always ask and you do it. But there are these guiding principles that give us a vision for what that looks like. And and really, the, those principles flow out of uh, flow out of the gospel, out of the gospel grace, out of um, what. Christ has done for us and how 
that is reflected into the lives of those around us. And so I, you know, I always start with, if we say, how do we do that? How do we care for one another? That it starts with love. Um, and we, we start by loving the people God's placed in our lives and he's called us to, to minister to. And I, I, I think sometimes you, people hear that and they're like, oh, well, of course, like, of course it's love. Like we all know that, like love, it, it goes without saying, but like, what do we really do? But I, I think the problem is that too often it does go without saying, and we don't recognize that the call to genuinely love one another it encompasses all that we are called to do. And so we, if we don't start there, we end up kind of devolving into some form of legalism, right? If we don't start there, we end, devolve, end up devolving into just a, a list of rules or a list of steps or a script that we were to follow. But what God calls us to is to remember how loved, how beloved we are from him, to rest in that love, to recognize that we're not, um, we can't on our own change anybody, but are simply called to reflect the love that he has shown to us, to those around us. And and, and so as, as that love pours out of us, um, it manifests in, in a number of different ways. And the, and the four kind of categories I use in, in the book are, are love manifests in knowing, in serving, in speaking, and in what I call gospeling. And the love begins with knowing because we can't know how to minister to somebody unless we take first take time to to listen to them mm -hmm. to to ask questions yeah to to not just view somebody as a project uh or a problem to solve but mm. but as a person that whose struggles are multifaceted and complex and so we, we have to listen to truly understand them to get to know them right god loves us in uniquely personal and deeply personal ways. And if we're going to manifest that love to others, we, we have to know the person. So it starts with a lot of, a lot of listening, a lot of asking questions, um, a lot of seeking to know the person. Um, and then from there, as we know the person and, and ask questions and we, we consider, I, I, the, the linchpin to me of this whole, of the whole process of, caring for and ministering to people is really as a result of that knowing we then consider what's most needed at a particular moment and this is where we we don't want we don't want to have to use wisdom again we, we just want the right answer i think that's that's the legalist in all of right. our hearts right that just says just give me the right answer and, and right. just tell me what to do but god says no i like i i want you to love them i want you to listen and then i want you to use wisdom i want you to seek me for wisdom james one gives us an incredible promise that if anyone lacks wisdom we should ask god and he gives it um there, there's a proverb about a uh about how a blessing a man who rises early in the morning in order to bless his neighbor will be counted as a cursing. Well, why is, when is a blessing counted as a cursing? Well, a blessing is counted as a cursing when it's delivered at 2 a.m., right? Like if you, you, if you, you could tell me, I, right? I mean, John, you could tell me how much you enjoy my book. And, I, and on this podcast today, I feel really blessed by that. I'm super encouraged by that. I'm super thankful for that. But if you showed up outside of my bedroom window at 2 a.m. to make that same announcement, that those same words that right here blessed me would be counted as a cursing. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I think I've found that in marriage. Like whenever I, like, I have a thought dawns at me at 930 and I say, oh, honey, you got to know this. She's like, what? What? Not now. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know it now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, but I, I think it, it shows us that the right truth at the wrong time is the wrong truth. Mm. It doesn't make it untrue. It's still true, but that doesn't mean it's actually what needs to be See, Scott, that goes against our fundamentalist mindset of thinking. <laughs> it does. It does. Because because I, I think that we, the problem is I think we have too low of a bar. When Ephesians calls us to speak the truth in love. Right. Right. We, we stop before the in love part and we're like, hey, as long as I think of something true and I say it, then I, I did what I should do because I spoke truth. But we're not simply called to speak truth. We're called to speak truth in Love. David Pallison um, called counseling or interpersonal ministry. He called it wise love in action, and it's that it's that wisdom part. It's the, the wise love put into into practice in our, our lives with one another. It, it requires us to say, okay, no, no, the just having something true to say isn't a high enough bar for it to actually come out. I need to have something true to say, and then I need to consider. But of the things I could say, of the tr- all the truth, because there's a lot of true things I could say. Right. The Bible's filled with true things I could say. The Bible's also filled with all sorts of instructions about things I could do. But of all the things I could say and of all the things I could do, wisdom asks, what's most needed now? What's most needed in this moment? So that mm. what I what I say or what I do won't be counted as a cursing because it's not at the right time, but can actually be received as the love it's intended to, to be. And so, so, so we, I think we, that love starts with knowing and considering what's most needed. And, and then it, it also, it, it manifests itself in serving, right? And, I, and it, man, it does manifest itself in practical areas. I think sometimes when we think about interpersonal ministry, we usually just think about talking, right? Things I can say, yeah. but, of the one another commands in the New Testament, um, at least as many of them are acts of service, not just words spoken. Um, and so we we care for one another by outdoing one another and in, in showing honor, um, by bearing one another's burdens, um, by asking ourselves, okay, how in light of love, knowing your struggle, how, how can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can I share what God's given to me with you? How can I, um, uh, how can I bear bur- your burdens? How can I forgive you if you've wronged me, mm-hmm. right? How can I serve you practically? And, and then, but our love goes beyond just um, service into words. We, we speak truth as well, right? We speak, but I think, <laughs> I would actually be curious. I, I wish we were kind of in like a classroom setting here. I would love to ask all of your listeners yeah. what comes to mind when they think speaking the truth in love. Like if you're gonna, if you're going to speak the truth to somebody, w- what form does that take? Because I, I'm afraid that what hits most of our minds almost exclusively is correction. Right? If I'm going to speak the truth, if I'm going to speak the truth in love. That means that that's basically a euphemism for correcting you. It's yeah. basically it's it's basically code for telling you something you've done wrong. Now, a part of truth is correcting one another, but a part of truth is also 
affirming one another, right? P- part of truth is recognizing where God's working in someone's life and, and saying, look, that's God working. I, I think of the encouragements that um, Paul gives the Thessalonians where, where he tells them, you know, just as you are doing, just as you're, you're showing brotherly love to one another, I, I just want to encourage you to do so more and more. Yeah. He wasn't correcting them. He wasn't instructing them to do anything different. He was just telling them what, what, what you're doing. I want you to continue to do that. Um, and so we, we, we speak truth by correcting. We speak truth by affirming. We speak truth by, by just giving people hope, reminding them of gospel hope. Um, but I think most fundamentally and most importantly as Christians is the, the discipline of giving one another gospel hope. And reminding one another of the gospel. Um, so t- I think f- far too often we stop short of this, where we say, well, "Look, I, I gave you some maybe even affirmation. I gave you some correction from, and I used scripture, so I fulfilled my my role. I, I'm doing biblical counseling. I used the Bible, and it is, but but at its core." what we are seeking to do in speaking the truth to one another in love is helping one another grow into the image of Christ. That's what Ephesians 4 talks about, right? It talks about growing together. We speak the truth in love so that we mature together, growing up into full maturity, into the, the, the image of Christ. And if we want to help one another become more like Christ, we, we don't do that by simply telling people what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. We don't do it by simply t- giving them the rules. We don't simply do it by giving them a script. We, we, we're we not saved by works and we can't be transformed by works, mm-hmm. right? This is great. Galatians, right? Foolish yeah. Galatians, who's bewitched yeah. you, right? I, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be perfected by the flesh, right? Like it doesn't work like that. That's not yeah. how God works. We, just as we are saved by grace through faith, we are also transformed by grace through faith. And so what people who are struggling with anything, with suffering, with sin, what what people need most is to be reminded of the gospel. Um, If they're suffering and hurting, they need to be reminded of the gospel, the gospel truth that, um, that Christ came to redeem their suffering, that he promises to redeem their suffering, that he gives them a hope beyond their suffering in eternity um, he, we, and hope for their, their sin. And when someone, when we recognize that someone's fallen into sin, when they have fallen into sin, we meet them not with, first with rules and instructions, although the instructions will come, but we meet them with reminders of the magnitude of the grace of God. Yeah. Because when we realize what that we have fallen, we realize we have what we have done wrong. God meets us there and reminds us that His grace, e- even when our sin is deeper and worse than we ever thought possible, mm-hmm. God meets us in those moments and tells us that His grace is also greater than we ever imagined. That Romans eight that there's no condemnation <laughs> for those that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Right. And as and every one of us as Christians desperately needs those reminders. And 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 the reason that is is because as we are reminded of gospel truth, 
that inspires our worship of God and, and, and obedience and trust flow naturally from that. They don't, they don't have to be contrived. They don't have to be controlled because they flow naturally. And they, they lead us to ask the question, Lord, I, I, I love you so much. Your grace is so amazing. How do you, how can I follow you? What do you want for my life? And that's when the instructions come in because it gives us practical steps that say, oh, hey, it, as you desire to please God, here's what that looks like as your life is lived out as a living sacrifice, holy, holy and acceptable uh, to God, as it says in Romans 12. Yeah, that's good. I like that you made the point there. And I had questions, but this is some 10 times better. <laughs> this is a 10 times better direction of what we're going. But I, I you, you said that part about um, it, it leads us to worship and obedience. I was actually with someone um, last week and just struggling, struggling because of, because of this past with this... Mm. Um, must this legalistic mindset for years and years grown up in this. And so just struggling with sort of the counseling that we've been doing thus far of just condemning and the self condemning of just not getting it each week. And so I was, I was trying to get the gospel applied to it going from Romans seven fourteen to Romans eight mm. and saying, there's therefore now no condemnation and explaining that. And the response was, how is that not just cheap grace then? And I'm like, it's it it's it, it's not. And what you said right there, I thought was such a great thing because, yes, God gives us that, but that that is gifted to us. So then we respond in worship and obedience yeah. going forward. That yeah. that's that's excellent. The one thing you said uh, also that I thought was maybe something that we could come back to was I think a lot of times when people approach ministry with helping someone, way I've seen it done in the past is that you're approaching this person because they're a problem. Mm. Like, they they just come in to the church, they've gotten saved, and now we've got to get them all fixed up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and approaching... It, but that, that, that it, it, wouldn't you say that it's also part of this this idea of loving messy people and recognizing that we're, we're messy too? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and right, what we could... Because what we are is we are messy people called to love and care for messy people. Um, you know, I, th th one of the ways I, I think about it is I, I think that's too, all too often we approach people as if we and God are like on one side of the equation and the person we're ministering to is on the other. <laughs> right. And so we, and so like, we, like we stand, like we're with God and we're like, Hey, God and I have been talking and we agree you've got a problem. <laughs> Right. And God and I need to have a conversation with you. And here's the things you're doing wrong. And here's but that's not the picture that's painted anywhere in scripture. Right. Yeah. God alone is holy. And we are all broken jars of clay. And so the reality is actually we, we are standing with our brother or sister as a fellow messy person who has our own problems and our own struggles and as a co-labor, even if they're struggling particularly bad right now, we're standing with them and coming before God, the Holy one and inviting them to with us be in awe again of the magnitude of his holiness and the magnitude of his grace. Like, isn't God amazing? that he has grace upon sufferers and sinners like us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when we do that, come alongside people 
that way. It it changes our posture. It changes the way we talk about it. Yes. Um, it changes the content even of, of, of what we say because um, we don't stand self-righteously with God. We stand with them as brothers and sisters in Christ, both who are only righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. Um, and seeking to, to, to revel in and be continually be transformed by his grace. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, I think I'm going to skip over. I was going to ask about, I think we've covered enough about, uh, you know, I was going to ask about the, the contradiction between legalism and do this. I thought, I think we, we got some good stuff in there. Do you think you could maybe give an example of maybe how this plays out? Um, you know, I, I, I listened to one of your, uh, a session that you had done about depression and you had a couple of opening things that I thought was great. So I, I, I put in the notes, this is some inside baseball for everybody. I put in the notes, maybe specifically depression because your, your lesson that I'd listened to, I can't remember the title of it now, even, even off the top of my head, but it was just so, so good with talking about that. But could you sort of see how that, that as we work, let's say we have an exam, uh, a situation, somebody saying, all right, well, I'm, I'm ministering to somebody right now. So, so how would this work? I know we would say, well, we'll go get the book and read it. <laughs> but what would no, be something? I, yeah, yeah. So, it? yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think so, so. So, somebody comes to if somebody were to come to me and say, you know, I, um, I'm just really struggling with depression, right? Um, I think there's a temptation to say, oh, oh man, like that's a big deal, and because it is a big deal, right? And there's a temptation to be overwhelmed by it and say, oh, like I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Like I. See, the problem is, John, if, if somebody came to me today, if somebody came to me right after this podcast and said, yeah, I, I'm struggling with depression, the problem is I wouldn't know what to say. Like with all of my training, with, with all, like I wrote this big book on it. Like I, I, I don't know what to say. And the reason I don't know what to say is because I haven't listened long enough. Ask enough questions to actually know what to say. Yeah. And so if somebody came to me and said, I, I struggle with depression. I mean, I think it starts by simply asking, man, I, like I'm first of all, giving hope and, and, and conveying compassion. I'm so sorry about that. Like, I just can't even imagine how hard that is. And, and then just like asking questions so you can understand what, what's going on. I think it starts by saying what, first of all, like what do you, the, the word depression is a huge umbrella term. Like, yeah. What do you mean by that, right? What, what do you what do you fill that word with? Like, what's that experience like for you? Can you can you describe it? Can you um, when, when does it happen? You know, is it ongoing and continual, or does it go up and down? Is it like coming and going? You know, and just seeking to to learn and and to listen. And as you do, um, as you listen, as you ask questions. Um, I think about thinking, even just thinking, it can start by just thinking in the categories of suffering and sin, right? Okay, starting with suffering, like what, in what ways is this person suffering, right? How has their situation or their circumstance or their job or, or their family or, or their something going on in their physical body, like how is that contributing to this ex experience and, and causing, or maybe contributing to brain fog or, or making things tired or, or, you know, how, how are they suffering and how then does scripture speak about suffering? What hope 
does scripture give us regarding suffering? I think, I think of Romans 5. We've been talking about Romans, so let's just stick in Romans, right? Like you're talking about Romans 5 and, and the, the promise that suffering produces um, endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I, this this is a message of gospel hope. It comes flows right out of an explanation of what the gospel is. And he says, in light of the gospel, God redeems. He promises to redeem our suffering. Um, so how can we offer hope in the midst of that? But then also, in, in what ways is that maybe selfishness or self-focus um, contributing as well? And how can we bring the grace of God to bear, reminders of the grace of God in that? Now, at the same time, we don't run there and say, okay, like, let me, you know, get, get a list. But it, through a lot of question asking, we're going to be, as we are listening, we're simply going to be asking the question, okay, what what's most needed right now? You know, is this like just super severe and acute and what's needed is some, some, some help and some protection because they're, they're thinking very seriously about hurting themselves. Mm. Um, you know, and so who, who can we call a, uh, counselor, pastor, the hospital to get you utilize resources to make sure that they're safe. Right. Or is this not a, a, as, as acute in that way, but it's kind of a, a long running, just, just brain fog that somebody's struggling with and trying to figure out, you know, how can you ask questions to figure out what, what is contributing, what's a part of that. And then piece by piece, moment by moment, just bringing the, the truth of the gospel, uh, the truth of scripture to bear and remembering all along that you are, it's not, you can't transform them. You can't fix this problem. You can't even make them more like Jesus, but God has placed you in their life to be a part of the incredible and glorious and mysterious and miraculous work that he is doing in their life. So how can you love them? Um, and care for them and walk with them through that. So I, I don't know if that's spe- if that's specific enough for what you're asking, but no, I anyways, think that's, that, a that's great, what comes to mind. I, I like the idea of just going back to, to the just the simple concept of listening. Mm. You know, it is Proverbs eighteen thirteen, right? Yeah. You know, we have to listen. Yeah. I, I like the way Adams translates it. Somebody that doesn't listen has done a stupid and disgraceful thing. <laughs> if they answer a matter before they hear it, that's how he translates that verse. But, you know, I, I think that that's something that is is maybe, I don't know if you can, if, if the concept of listening carries with this or maybe to add a word to it, but yeah, caring listening. Because I think mm. maybe sometimes we can mm. hear things, but, like, it either comes across as disinterested or we're just hearing them to be able to give them what they need as far as a verse or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's so good. Well, I was, I, I've tend to, I don't know if it was, I, I, I depended on this or fell back on this because I was so green with counseling and <laughs> like, okay, well I need to get everything so I can go and research this and find out what to say. <laughs> to say. I'm giving all yeah. my secrets away, I guess. But, um, but I, I'm just about to finish up with a counselee. And we, we went almost 22 sessions and this was something that we both were going back and forth, struggling, like, okay, where's the issue at? And we're now at that place where it's like, all right, this is, this is graduation time. Mm. And he, he told me the other day, uh, last week, he said, he said, can I tell you, he had been to a psychologist. He had been to someone that, that prescribed a medication and, um, two different ones. And, um, he said, 
my wife and I knew there was a difference right away. He said, you listen to us. For the first time in three years, we felt like somebody was listening to us. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. So they really, real, I did not realize that that was such a big deal. It's so, it's so huge. And it's, and I mean, it can be transformative in its own right um, in a number of different ways. But I, I think because it's a manifestation of genuine love, right? Yeah. I think when you, you know, I think it's that caring listening that you're talking about, right? It's, it's listening in love. It's listening because you actually care yeah. about the person. You're not you're not just listening for facts. You're not just trying to like put it into, you know, the, the computer and spit out the the right Bible verse. Like you're you're listening cuz you actually care about the person. And that is all too rare. And and especially when you have the love of Christ and you're listening in a reflection of that kind of genuine love, it is it is so powerful. I I I mean I, I'm afraid that most of us, I mean, like, like you said, I think most of us, when we think we're listening, what we're actually doing is just waiting. Mm-hmm. We're like waiting for them to stop talking so that we can say the thing that the thought that came to our mind, but listening to actually get to know somebody because we love them is, is, is something totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for someone, somebody maybe listen to this and they say, okay, this is good stuff, but I'm not actually like a pastor or something like that. Mm. You know, I'm not going to go get like counseling certification training, um, even though I think you should. Um, But even even I think that right there is something that you can you can effectively be Christ to someone. You can be Christ like to someone. Absolutely. That's in your in your sphere, in your realm. That's that's a part of your discipleship to them. Um, And and I think people will be surprised that if they take time to genuinely listen, uh they'll be surprised at how often they, they actually do have something truthful and rich and transformative to say eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, to offer as well. But, but it starts there for sure. There's one more aspect before we close up, Scott, I wanted yeah. to, to dive into, because I think that there may be somebody uh, that may be listening to, that says, you know what? I was, I was in church. My church experience was, you know, my life was messy but I was sort of rejected because of the messiness or, and you know, there may be extenuating circumstances. There may be all kinds of stuff, but what would, yeah. what would you say to them as saying, you know, I remember I'm, I'm thinking about a guy right now who, you know, he, he is still in church. He's, he's a pastor, but he was, he was told he, you know, he had to grow a beard or leave the church or, 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 or shave his beard or leave the church because he wanted to grow a beard, mm. you know, it, silly things like that. And, you know, for somebody, some people that, that would, that would just like, why, what's, what's the big deal? But I guess what I'm asking is like, what would be something that, you know, we're talking about this concept of loving messy people. Somebody says, I'm one of those messy people, but you know what? I was, I was turned away. Now, what would you say to them? That's, that's such a good question. It's such a hard question. I... I would start by just saying I'm so sorry for what you've been through. Like I, the the, the pain of being uh, rejected or hurt or dismissed by the church is does just it cuts uniquely deep. Yeah, and I my 
I, first of all, my, my heart just breaks. And I would just say, I'm, I'm so sorry that, that that's been your experience. I, um, unfortunately, people are messy. And so is the church. Mm. And all the church is, is a group of people. And, and that means that, that, that there's, and there, there are, and, and there's ones that are messy and, and there's ones that are abusive. And so I, I don't want to just kind of like paint everything like, oh, it's right, just all right. on a card. Like the, I, I guess I would say this. I, I, I think that in that sense, in those places where you've been hurt by the church like that, and uh, if you've been hurt by some people in the church or hurt, hurt by the church, I think, I guess, one step would be to seek reconciliation and, and as a means of growth for you and for uh, whoever you were hurt by. Um, that That's not always possible and, and, and it's not always wise. And also recognize that there is a, um, there are situations where there isn't repentance, right? There, and and if, if there isn't repentance from, whoever you were hurt by, then you, you can't be reconciled, right? Like, so I guess where there's an openness to repentance, I think that it, it, it's worth seeking to, to learn from and, and grow from one another. Because I, I mean, I know as a pastor, there's people I've wronged in my church and need their grace and have had to, had to ask for forgiveness, right? For things I said, or for ways I, you know, spoke to someone or, or things like that. I, I, I'm a messy pastor too. And so I'm, I'm thankful for the grace that, that those have shown me, people have shown me, um, where there's not like that kind of openness to repentance. Um, I, I think that it, it is wise then to, to look for a, uh, uh to, to, to not feel constrained to that kind of corner of the, the, the large big C church where um, that kind of hurt or being dealt with that way is is perpetuated and unrepentant. Um, but I would also encourage them to not give up on the big C church. Yeah. And to recognize that there there is a, a lot of, this is Christ's body. I think there's a, a temptation to, if I've been, uh, when I'm hurt by the little C church, I'm tempted to give up on the big C church. I'm tempted to give up on kind of the whole body of Christ, but there are all sorts of um, healthy manifestations and growing manifestations of, of God's body in healthy local churches um, all over the place that uh, the reality is we, we need as Christians, we, we need to be, we need one another. We need Absolutely. to be a part of the church. Absolutely. And so I, I, I would, both my heart would break for you and I would ask you, just invite you to, to not give up on the big C church, even if it's not wise to stay in the specific local church that, that you're in. So I, that's also my input or counsel in that would be different case to case and situation. Right. It's a hard question to ask without knowing all the details. But I, but I appreciate it, but I, but I appreciate it. Cause I think it's, it's important for us to, to think about that in, in yeah. this context. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know if somebody, um, I don't know specifically if somebody was helped by this, but I, I think, I think that there was a lot of good encouragement given 
and I don't I don't do this always. Maybe I should, but I, I just I feel like this would be a good place to do this on the podcast today. Is, is Scott? Would you would you sort of close our time together with with maybe a word of prayer? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Lord God, we uh, we come before you together, recognizing and confessing our our finiteness, our limited limitations, Lord, and. Um, I'm confronted with even the finiteness of my own words. Lord, I pray, God, that the the things that are of you, the things that are true, Father, that we have shared and, and, and said today, Father, that they would stick in people's minds, that they would draw people to you, that, that we would be forgotten, that John would be forgotten, that I would be forgotten, that you would be remembered, that you would be glorified. Um, the things, Lord, that are, that are not of you, that are, are not helpful, Father, we pray that they would be forgotten easily too. But more than anything, Lord, I pray for those listening that um, you would work in their hearts to remind them and show them the depth and magnitude of your grace and your love and your kindness in Christ. And as you do, Father, that you would draw them, that you would draw all of us uh, deeper into you and transform our lives and our hearts from the inside out. Um, we need you, Lord. We are desperate for you, for you to work in and through us, God. And I pray that, um, yeah, this 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 time would just be one more small um, piece that you would use to equip and inspire all of us in that that calling to to love one another, to care for one another, and to be to be your hands and feet in one another's lives. So we thank you, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for, for being on, joining us, sharing some of the things that God's worked in your life with other people. And uh, I appreciate your willingness to do that and come on uh, this podunk podcast from a guy in Tennessee. <laughs> Thank you, John. I, I really appreciate it, man. It's, it's such a privilege. Yes, sir. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. And uh, we hope that you'll uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a rating and review. And until next time. To God, not the pastor, be the glory. Thanks for listening to the For Freedom Podcast. To find more content like this, please visit rfpnetwork.org. To find more podcasts like this one, resources, and meetups to encourage you on your journey.